Welcome to Current. My name is David. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, we say every week that Current is a community following Jesus together, and you're welcome wherever you're at on your spiritual journey. Another exciting news for today, we're celebrating all the small things coming out of here, shelter and place that we can get. We are reintroducing physical copies of the Connection Card. Boy, the times we live in. That is exciting. We have these Connection Cards. If you could go ahead and look at them right now, that would be awesome. If you are new or this is one of your first few times, you never filled this out, this is a great way to get connected and also uh, hear about the different happenings in the life of the church that we'd love to get to you. One thing I do want to highlight for you is right now we're really building up Sunday morning volunteer teams, especially given the fall that's coming up. I mean, God's already doing some incredible things uh, during the summer, including many people making first-time faith decisions, which has been really exciting. We're really celebrating that. Uh, But coming up in the fall, coming up in the fall, we have a real opportunity to make what we're hoping and praying a big impact in our area. Because the, the fall, as you guys know, in this area is a time when people come here for work. It's a time when people kind of resettle back down after the vacationing months of the summer. But it's also, God willing, a time when we're finally coming out of this global pandemic, God willing. And then on top of that, it's going to be the first time we as a church are going are to formally let our neighbors know that we're here. Uh, this is a new space, as you guys know, and so this is the chance for us to finally start getting word out and invite people in. We're going to be kicking it back up to two services again. So all that's to say is we're rebuilding our Sunday morning teams. There's opportunity to serve now, but there's also opportunity to get trained and, and, and headed into the fall. So if you uh, are interested in helping set up and tear down, getting your early morning workout in, if you're interested in holding all these COVID babies that we've had uh, or serving with the kids' ministry, I love you trailer drivers. If you like driving trucks around, we love you guys. There's a special place in heaven for you, I'm, I'm convinced. Um, there's any number of ways you can fill out the card, let us know. We'd love to talk to you and get you connected to a team lead. The last thing I want to say, which is related to it, is we're getting ready to throw our big volunteer team party on August 28th. This is for all volunteer volunteers at the church right now to participate and shamelessly for those who will sign up to come on a team you can also come on out we are going to top golf which is going to be a lot of fun if you guys have been here in the past you guys know that we try to do these volunteer teams uh, really big and the reason for that is we don't have our own permanent space the teams are what make current current and so we just want to celebrate you say thank you and celebrate what God's doing with a lot of fun. By the way, you don't know how you don't have to know how to golf to come on out. Okay, we're just going to be hitting balls and have, having a lot of fun. So, so come on out for that. August twenty eighth. By the way, if you're on a team, go to uh, current sv uh, forward slash uh, teams or excuse me, what what is that? Um, you know, go on side. I can't find it in my notes. Uh, look, there you go. Look on the screen. Go there. Fill it out. Uh, I know the team. I'm reminded that the teams would want me to have you RSVP if you can. Um, Hey, well, today is a really exciting day for yet another reason. The day I'm I'm most excited about this. It's my great privilege to introduce to you our guest speaker and good friend of mine, Mark Lee. Mark is the senior pastor at Vantage Point Church in Eastvale, California, down down there in Southern California. And and I wanted to share a story with you that I don't think he realizes how much of uh, an impact he's actually had on current. Uh, Cindy and I attended a conference on church planting many years ago. Uh, This is a whole other story, but we didn't actually know it was a church planting conference, but whatever. We went to this thing called Exponential West. It's the biggest church planting conference in in the U.S., and we went to all these breakout sessions to kind of learn about this church planting thing as we were there. I'm a son of church planter, so I kind of knew kind of the ropes a little bit. I don't know how to share this 
uh, quite exactly, so bear with me as I do this. We're going to a lot of these breakout sessions, and a lot of it wasn't just necessarily vibing. I didn't feel like we were learning a whole lot. I don't, you know, I just. But then we went to this one breakout session called Nuts and Bolts, led by Pastor Steve Stroop and Mark Lee. And I could not write fast enough in my journal with all the things that they were saying. It was literally a fire hydrant worth of wisdom and all that. And I don't normally do this sort of thing, but, but Cindy and I went up afterwards just to kind of introduce ourselves. We are just like, man, we've got we to meet these guys. And lo and behold, we, like when we were walking out after that time, talking to Mark and, and learning from him, Cindy said, uh, we'll never forget this, it was kind of a moment for us as a couple. She said, huh, I wonder if that was a Holy Spirit moment. And if you fast forward the, the tape here, we finally did get into church planning, all that uh, part of the story you guys know. We became a part of a network that Pastor Steve Stroop out of Lake Point Church in, in the Dallas area started, that where Mark is a, is, a, is a big leader in, and he has been such an incredible gift in getting current going through that uh, network and the relationships there. And then on a personal note, this guy sends me probably more texts of encouragement than anybody else, and they all happen to be in times where I'm just like, man, I, I really could use that. So all this to say, I'm so grateful for this guy. He's such a gift. He's such a friend. Would you put your hands together and welcome him to the stage? Back to the stage, uh, Pastor Mark Lee. Well, thanks a lot, brother. Oh, man. I can't, that, those were some very kind words, David. I, 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 I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Um, you know, here's one of the things, like, even though you guys don't know me, I don't know you guys, like, I would genuinely like to say this, that I really love you guys, that God has put this love in my heart for you guys. I'm so proud of what you guys are doing in this area. I actually grew up in the Bay Area. I lived here from 75 to 85, which was like a long time ago. But every time I'm back, I kind of feel like I'm at home. But like one of the things that I'm totally excited about being here is because I really love your pastor, honestly. Like as somebody who knows your pastor behind the scenes, I want you to have full confidence and full assurance that like Pastor David, like this guy is the real deal. Like he loves God. He loves his family. He loves you guys. And so real quickly, just kind of as we get started, this has been you know, not a woe is me kind of moment, but this has kind of been, been a difficult season for pastors. Like, we haven't been able to make the right decision during this time. You know, mass, no mass, open, not open. We just couldn't win. So in order to just encourage your pastor, would you just give him a huge round of applause, too? In order to honor him and Cindy during this time, I want to, I want to, I want to introduce myself, let you guys know a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in an immigrant family. I don't know if any of you grew up in an immigrant family, but if you grew up in an immigrant family, that was just a code word for the fact that you was broke. Okay, now on top of that, what my parents did is they used every bit of immigrant money that they had in order to get me some of the best private school educations around, which meant this. As a, as, as a young high school student, like I wasn't very appreciative of that. And so what I would do is oftentimes I would go to these private schools and literally, I kid you not, you would go into the student parking lot, there would be Maseratis, there would be BMWs, there would be Porsches. There was this one kid named Brian Pauls who got a Ferrari Testarossa for his graduation gift. And you know what I always pulled up in? This beat up, the junkiest old 1980 Volkswagen Jetta with almost 200,000 miles on it that always backfired when you drove it. So when I drove into these private schools, every, it would backfire and everybody thought there was a drive-by shooting going on. 
So when I first uh, was a young adult, I first started working. Uh, for any of you who are Asian, you would be very proud of me. I used to be an engineer before I became a pastor. I always say never walk into a building that I designed because it would probably collapse on you. But when I first started working, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna buy like a car that I wanna buy. And so I went out and I bought a used uh, Nissan Pathfinder, okay? Like a four by four, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I wanna feel like a man in this moment. Like, for y'all who are like young, y'all are like cool if you listen to Ariana Grande and you drive a plug-in Prius. Not for us Gen Xers. Any, any, anybody a Gen Xer here? Anybody? Like nobody. One. Okay. <laughs> for the one Gen Xer that's here, we were cool if we listened to Pearl Jam and we drove a Nissan Pathfinder. I had to fill up my gas tank on the way to work. I had to fill up my gas tank on the way back from work. Okay. Now, I, now this little city boy from San Jose, like I'm not going to drive this Nissan Pathfinder just back and forth from my apartment. Okay. So uh, my wife and I, she was my girlfriend at the time, we were driving along and we see this little dirt road. I'm like, honey, we're gonna take this thing four-wheeling. We're gonna take this thing off-roading. She's like, oh, okay. Um, and so we pu pull up, I, I've never done this in my life. I don't know what possessed me to do this. I just pull off onto this dirt trail. We like, a, we like crested over this hill. <laughs> and at the bottom of this hill, we didn't just see a mud puddle. We didn't just see a mud pit. It looked like, some, like a mud ocean in front of us. Now, my wife is a number six on the Enneagram. Does anybody know Enneagram stuff? Okay, if you know the Enneagram at all, number six, what it means that is my wife is tremendously loyal, but number six also means that she is afraid of everything. So we crested up this hill and we're looking at this mud ocean and I'm like, we're doing that. She's like, oh, I don't think we should do that. She's like, have, Pastor, have you prayed about that? She only calls me Pastor when I'm in trouble. She goes, Pastor, have you prayed about that? I said, I prayed about it. And the Holy Spirit said, full steam ahead. So I kid you not, we go, <laughs> we go barreling right into this mud ocean, right? And the car starts to sink so deep that the car even begins to tilt. And the mud almost comes up to her window. And so we call the, uh, we call the, the tow service. They pull, us out of the, they pull us out of the mud ocean. They fish us out of the mud ocean. And I'm talking to the tow truck driver, you know, like me and Mater. Me and Mater, we're talking together. He's like, dude, that was awesome. He's like, what made you decide to do that? I was like, because it's four-wheel, dude. And he's like, oh, oh, you mean you didn't see the sign? Like, no four-wheeling? All that to say, like, we're right in the middle of a series called Finding Rest, right? And I, I, I love the fact that you guys are doing this series right now, given everything that we all have been through over the past year. And what you're going to find is this, that oftentimes what God will do is God will put a big challenge in front of us. Won't he? he will put a big trial in front of us. God will put a big temptation in front of us. And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that there is no temptation that has seized you except for that which is common to man. But in that situation, what God will do is that God will always provide you a way out. That God will always give you a sign that God will always give you instruction, that God will always give you his word in order to navigate through or navigate around what it is that stands in front of us. And it's almost kind of like, um, 
you know, that we in that position, we have a choice, don't we? That we can follow God's way or we can follow our own way. That we can choose to eat from the tree of life or we can choose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, you know how that story has a tendency to go. We kind of follow our own way. We get stuck. And there's no, probably no more a frustrating feeling than getting stuck. Because there's no more a time and a position in life where you waste so much energy spinning your wheels, but you make such little progress in the meantime. And what I want to talk about today is that I want to bring us back and I want to remind us of the fact that God's word has so much to say about how it is that we navigate some of the pitfalls in the mud oceans of life. And today what I want to do is given everything that we've been through over the past year, I want to talk about how it is that we navigate our way around and how we navigate our way through this, this, this trap of anxiety. And how it is that we deal with our worries. How do we deal with that sinking feeling? Because I don't even necessarily have to quote you any statistics, right? We are living in a day and an age where anxiety is at an all-time high. And it's not even necessarily because of this pandemic that we've been through. There is something about the modern-day experience that is just not conducive to our internal flourishing. Like, it could be the constant bombardment of social media. It could be the ambient amount of anxiety that's constantly fed to us through cable news. There is something about life that just kind of makes me think that the four walls of my world are just constantly caving in. And what I want to talk about today is that that is not something that is unusual to our period of time. That that was something that they definitely faced in the first century, right? Not only did they have to, did they have to deal with plagues and pandemics during their time? Absolutely. They had to deal with plagues, pandemics, famines. You and I, when we walk out of our door, not to mitigate what it is that you and I have been through, but when you and I walk out of our door, we don't have to worry about getting eaten by a lion. You and I, as we walk out of our doors, we don't have to look uh, uh, at the hill and be concerned about marauders coming over and invading the city of Mountain View. And it is to that first century context that the Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It, if you have a church background, it may be a f- verse that you're familiar with. And if you don't have a church background, it's a verse that you'll love, a verse that you really need to get familiar with. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we can go ahead and stick them up on the screens. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the Apostle Paul speaks into this context, and he says this right here. And I'm going to stop after the first phrase where he just says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. I love the way that another version puts this because it makes it even more plain and almost even more uh, stressful, almost. And in another version, he says what? He says, be anxious for nothing. And it's like, whoa, wow. Like it would be hard enough if the apostle Paul was like, hey, yeah, like, Just try not to be anxious so much. 
It would be hard enough if the Apostle Paul said, you can be anxious, but only on Thursdays. Because then we could at least like stockpile our anxieties a little bit. Just kind of wait for it, wait for it. Or it'd be hard enough if the Apostle Paul said, you can be anxious, but only if it gets really, really, really bad. What you're going to find is that the Apostle Paul doesn't say any of those things. The Apostle Paul seemingly says something that leaves absolutely no wiggle room at all. Where he says what? He says, be anxious for what? Nothing. Nada. Zilch. Zero. And it's like, now I feel anxious for being anxious. But here's what I want to talk to you about. Like, is that, now that's what we plainly read, but is that what the Apostle Paul plainly meant? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not too sure. All I know is this, that the Greek is written in the present tense, and the present tense can refer to not only something that is happening in the present, but it can also refer to something that's ongoing all the time. So could it be that the Apostle Paul is not necessarily giving you and me a mandate that if you and I transgress, well, then you and I are committing a sin before God because we obviously have no faith? Or could it be that he's just saying, hey, you know what? I just don't want your life to be controlled by worry. I don't want you to live in this perpetual state of worry. How many of you have ever heard of the word haole? Anybody ever heard of the word haole? It's a Hawaiian term. Sometimes we use the word hapa, like hapa haole. Anybody ever heard of that? Well, hapa haole, if you've ever heard of this, is like, a, like if you've married as an Asian person, if you've married a white person, then your kids are hapa. They are hapa haole. They are half white. Because the pigeon Hawaiian term for white people was and I think it's interesting what that word actually literally translated means. Do you know what howly means? It means no breath. Why would they call those people the people of no breath? Well, it's because as the European settlers came in, what they've noticed is that all those European settlers who settled Hawaii, well, they, were, they always just seemed to be kind of in a hurry. They were always in a hurry building harbors. They were in a hurry building plantations. They were in a hurry building branches. And they always, at least to the Hawaiians, they always seemed kind of out of breath. And while you and I might see that verse as something that, that automatically almost creates more stress in our lives, do not be anxious about anything. Could it be that what the Apostle Paul is trying to do is he's actually trying to create this liberating sense with inside of us? That that chest tightening, that that stomach churning, that that bed, that that sleep losing feeling that we all have at night, that that was a sense that you and I were never necessarily meant to live with. Because at the same time that those burdens that you and I carry were burdens that you and I were never meant to carry in the first place. And here's the thing, the question that we have to ask, if these are burdens that we were never meant to carry in the first place, well then, who was meant to carry these burdens? 
Well, Paul goes on to talk about that as he says, as we go on in verse 6, and he says this right here, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading, maybe you've heard it like this, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. I love what he's saying because essentially what he's saying here is this. Be anxious about no thing, but in everything, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let your requests be made known to God. So in other words, whenever I encounter some type of anxiety, whenever I encounter something that makes me lose sleep, that what God wants me to do is God doesn't want me to take that to my anxiety, but that he wants, rather he wants me to take that to God. And how am I to do that? He actually outlines three different ways that we can do that, where he says this, but in everything by prayer and supplication, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I love what he's saying here because he's not simply telling us to let go of something that's bad because you and I, believe it or not, we have a tendency, even if something is not worth holding on to for some reason, we still want to hold on to it. We have a tendency to hold on to dysfunctional relationships. We have a tendency to hold on to dysfunctional workplaces. And yet what I love about the Apostle Paul's command is that he's not simply telling us to let go of something that is bad as much as he's telling us to let go of something that is bad in order that I might gain something that's so much better. And what is that? He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every encounter and in every situation and in everything that keeps you up at night, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to pray. Now, you may be from an unchurched background or maybe you may be from a church background where you've kind of been there, you've kind of done that, you've kind of heard it. And you're thinking to yourself like, Really? Like, that's all you got? Like, I've got major problems in my life, and the only thing that you want me to do is pray about it? To which I would just say that, hey, before we go knocking on prayer for a second, I'd love to ask you, how's your coping mechanism going? Because maybe your life verse would sound, or maybe your verse would sound something like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, pound a bunch of carbs and try and eat your feelings. Maybe that would be your verse. If that's you, I'm not judging you. I've been there. When I first, uh, when, when my wife and I first got into ministry, uh, I realized that, hey, like, this is stressful. This is uh, very sedentary, that it always revolves around food, too, for some reason. Like, hey, let's meet for breakfast. Let's meet for lunch. Let's meet for dinner. Let's have a midnight snack together. And I was getting bigger. Honestly, I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. My Asian parents have absolutely no filter. And so as I was getting bigger, I would show up to my mom and dad's house and be like, what are you eating? And without even hesitating, I would say, my feelings. Because you and I, when times get tough, uh, we have a tendency to take it to the pantry instead of taking it to prayer. 
Or maybe what we'll do is we'll take it to social media and we'll just kind of scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And studies have shown us that social media does not uh, alleviate our sense of anxiety. It actually amplifies our sense of anxiety. Maybe for you, you might take it to a drink. For you, you might take it to a pill. And I, I, I want to be totally clear. In no way am I knocking something like counseling. In no way am I saying that you and I should not be open to medication if a doctor prescribes that. I mean, I think we should be open to modern-day resources that God has given to help us. All I'm trying to say is this. that You and I have a tendency to underestimate prayer. Because what you're going to find is that over and over and over, year after year after year, do you know what psychologists and psychiatrists are telling us? They're telling us that one of the best ways to mitigate levels of anxiety and depression and worry in your life is through the disciplines of meditation and gratitude. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds an awful lot like prayer to me. And you know what I think is fascinating? That year after year after year, what we find is that these secular fields of study are constantly uncovering these ancient paths that have been available to us through Jesus for the past 2,000 years. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, what does it say? Let your request be made known to God. That don't take it your, to your worry, take it to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, listen to this, let your request be made known to God. If you look at that, what you're going to find is that that, that that command is actually not in the active uh, voice, but it's in the passive voice, isn't it? It's not saying, the Apostle Paul is not saying, make your request known before God. What is he saying? He's actually using the passive voice where he says, allow your request to be made known to God. Let your request be made known to God. That, In other words, that you and I don't necessarily have to drag our request kicking and screaming before God. Do you know why? Because they want to be made known that you and I, that our, that our objective, that our job is to uncover them and to let them be made known. The problem is that you and I, when we should let them out, you know what we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to not let them out. We have a tendency to just let them build up. So we will say things like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to pay for that? I live in the Bay Area. And for some reason, I'm making all of this money, and yet still I feel like I, I'm not even able to make ends meet. And, you, and sometimes you kind of feel like when it comes to your worries and your emotions, let your request be made known that sometimes you constantly feel like you're pushing a beach ball underwater. Sometimes you take your emotions and your worries and your feelings and you stuff them down and you stuff them down and you stuff them down. The problem with that is that you show up to church one day or you show up to the office one day and somebody asks you, hey, so how's it going? And you're like, great, fantastic, 
awesome. Praise the Lord. Hashtag blessed. Not today, Satan. All the while, like you are one step away from teeing off on your children. Like you are one step away from quitting your job. You are one step away from quitting on a relationship. You are one step away from quitting on your faith. And what I love about this verse is that the Apostle Paul isn't commanding us to deny those things. He's not calling us to suppress those things. What he's calling us to do is he's calling us to just allow them to be made known. And to not allow them to be made known in the ways that you and I have a tendency to allow them to be made known, whether it be through gossip, or whether it be through just like exploding on the nearest person around us, but that you and I are to allow them to be made known, how? To God, through, through prayer. Now, we know what you're thinking, because maybe some of you are thinking that, you know what, Mark, that sounds like a great idea, but like, I just don't really have time for something like that. You know, like, I got a lot going on right now. And the problem is that you have a lot going on right now, but you're just not very effective in what it is that you do. You're almost kind of like an octopus on roller skates. You know, there's a whole lot of activity, but you're just not really going anywhere. And what you're going to find is that um, there are certain military people in the sharpshooter community who like to use a phrase and I think it's a phrase that may be helpful for us in this situation where they say this, that slow is smooth and that smooth is fast. That slow is smooth and that smooth is fast. That in other words, that if you try and rush your shot, what's going to happen is that you may end up dropping a clip. That if you rush your shot, what may end up happening is that you may not necessarily Aim perfectly, that if you rush your shot, that what's going to happen is that you're going to end up missing your intended target. Then in other words, that it's actually going to end up taking you more time, the more hurried that you are. The more hurried you are, the less effective that you're going to be. I love this story. When General Lee led 76,000 troops into Philadelphia, everyone in Washington was absolutely panicked about the Civil War, and that was everybody except for Abraham Lincoln. And later on, when a soldier was wounded in Gettysburg, that soldier actually came up to Abraham Lincoln and said, whoa, you just seemed like way different from everybody else. How is it that everybody else was so panicked and that you just seemed so different? And Abraham Lincoln answered with this right here. When everybody seemed panic-stricken, here's what I did. I went to my room. I got down on my knees before Almighty God, and I prayed. And soon a sweet comfort crept into my soul that God Almighty had taken the whole business into his hands. And so here's what Paul is saying. That before I begin to engage the world, here's what I'm going to do. I'm simply going to create space in my life to interact with God. 
Now for me, here are a couple prayer hacks that for me, what I like to do is I like to literally write an appointment in my calendar with God in the morning. Because if I have an appointment in my calendar with God in the morning, that allows me that when somebody comes to me, they say, hey, you want to meet for breakfast? That's when I can say, no, I'm sorry, because uh, I'm meeting somebody then. What I like to do is I also do not just pray aloud because I'm like so ADD and I'm like so distractible that like what I do is I sit down with a notebook and I actually write down some of my prayers because I want to be able to focus on that time. I want to be invested into that time. Do you know what I also do? At the top of that prayer journal, I actually write the question, how are you feeling? And then I actually look at a feeling chart. And I write down what it is that I'm feeling. And then I go ahead and I expound on that. Do you know why I do that? Because I'm a man. And I have the emotional intelligence of a squirrel. All I'm saying is this, that as you and I begin to create space in our life to interact with God, it's amazing what kind of things begin to come to the surface at that point. Because I'm worried about a meeting. And then I ask myself why it is that I'm worried about that meeting. Well, it's because I want that meeting to go well. Why do I want that meeting to go well? Well, it's because I want to be good at what I do. Why do I want to be good at what I do? Well, it's because I want to be successful. Why do I want to be successful? Well, it's because I want to be able to see myself as somebody. And at that point, what you find out is that it's not about a meeting. All of a sudden, it's more about an identity. And that's not something that I can take to my coworkers. That's something I have to take to the king. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this right here. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I hate fishing, but I'm still going to use a fishing analogy to begin with. I wasn't going to say this, but I hate fishing because I hate animals. That, that sounds so bad. But like, I would catch a fish, and then I would just, as a child, I would just, I'd just put the fish over to my dad and go, eh. Because I couldn't touch the fish. It's disgusting. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Okay, so I want you to think about what casting is. Casting, if you want to think about this, is the intentional act that what I'm going to do is I'm going to take something close to me and I'm going to cast that or I'm going to project that. I'm going to now throw that as far away from me as I possibly can. And so all of a sudden, when you and I begin to apply that to our cares, then when you and I cast our cares, what are we doing? Casting my cares, then, is the intentional act that what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my worry and I'm going to throw that away from me as far as I possibly can. That I'm going to cast my cares about my children that as much as I wish to control them, they won't allow me to control them. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to intentionally put them into the hands of the only person who can uh, know anything about their future. I wish I could control my finances. 
If I controlled my finances, believe me, I would not be living in the Inland Empire of Southern California. I'll tell you that much. But I can't control how much I may. I wish I could. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take those concerns and I'm going to cast those cares about as far away from me because this is what I know from God's word. He says, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That you and I, that I can't control my professor. I can't control my elderly parents. I can't control my coworkers. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take those things. I'm going to put them on a little hook and try and wiggle their way off that hook. But I'm going to just, I'm just going to throw them away from me about as far as I possibly can because God is the only one who could possibly know the future of any. Let's go ahead and end out with the end of that verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, because I love, the, I love it and I hate the way that this verse ends. Because he says this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Pre- present your request to God. Let your request be made known to God. And I love this. And the, and the what? And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know why I love this verse and I hate this verse all at the same time? Because what the Bible doesn't tell me is the Bible doesn't tell me what I want to hear. What I want to hear is this, that when I pray for something that God's going to give me what I pray for. (laughs) That's not what it says. That if I have financial troubles and I pray about it, guess what I want? I want money. That if I have a relational issue and I pray about it, you know what I want? I want those relational problems to go away. Here's the promise of God, though, that guess what? God never promised you that you would never get a divorce. God never promised you that you wouldn't have to go through IVF. God never promised you that your children would end up following the Lord. God never promised any of those things. Yet here's the crazy thing that in spite of those things, guess what? God promises you something even better. He promises peace. Because here's an insider tip that God knows about you and that God knows about me. That even if God were to give you everything you want, you'd still be miserable. Because that would just make us a bunch of spoiled, entitled little brats that just keep asking for more. And so God says, you know what? I got a deal for you and I got something even better. Here's my promise. That when you pray, you will find peace. There's a book called The Cities and the Bishoprics of Phrygia, which I know you've all read. But by way of review, uh, it's about these inscriptions that find themselves on the walls of this ancient city called Phrygia. And there's this one name that historians think is kind of curious, and it's a name called Amarimnos. Amarimnos. 
They know that Amarimnos is probably not his his uh, it, it, probably not his given name. Historians believe that his Amarimnos is probably not his given name, but it, it's his baptismal name. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Barnabas was not uh, Barnabas's given name. Joseph was his given name. Um, it was uh, Barnabas was his baptismal name. That once he became a Christian and he accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, he he believed so much in other people, and he was so encouraging that they decided to give him the baptismal name of Barnabas. Amarimnos. Do you know what Amarimnos means? A meaning without or against. That's where we get atheist, somebody who is without God or somebody who is against God. Amarimnos. Do you know what Amarimnos means? Amarimnos means without worry. That in other words, when this individual came to faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, that not only did God get, give him the gift of getting rid of his guilt, his shame, and his condemnation. But from that moment on that his faith became so strong, he decided that, you know what? I'm just not going to worry anymore. Because all of these things belong in God's hand and not mine. And maybe that's the name that God wants to give you today. Amarimnos. But it's choice. It's a discipline and it's a posture that we place ourselves before God in. So here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to, you know, go ahead and bow our heads. And as this exercise of faith, here's what I'd love to do. Uh, if everybody could do this as you bow your heads. Um, I'd love for you to kind of put your palms down. Would you put your palms out in front of you and place your palms down? And here's what I'd love for you to do. I would love for you to place both of your palms down and all the things that you worry about, all the things that you cannot control, I want you to feel like those things are just falling from your grasp. That as much as you want to control these things that you just can't, they're just falling, falling. You want to control them. But you know that God's hand is underneath yours. That he will catch whatever it is that has fallen. It could be a concern that you have about finances. Friction that you're having with your parents. Concerns that you have about the security of your future. As much as I want to control them, I just can't. Here's what I'd love for you to do now. I'd love for you to turn your palms up in the posture of receiving. And say, in this moment now, God, there's things that I can't control. But in this moment right now, as I place my palms up, I want to receive your love. I want to receive your faith. I want to receive your grace in my life. And that in this moment, what I choose to do is I choose to trust you with all the things that I cannot control. And that's what we want to do right now, Father. We want to say this prayer. That, Lord God, that you are the center. You are creator God of this universe. And we trust you with all of those things that concern us because we know that you care far more about those things than I do. And ultimately, Lord, because you love me. Father, we thank you, Father, for this day. 
We pray that, Lord God, that we would trust so much in you that it's through that non-anxiety and non-worry and that position of trust that it would even attract our friends and family members and our coworkers to you. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.